Twas weeks before Christmas, and wouldn't you know, a new strain, Omicron, was starting to show. The anchors and pundits were thrilled at the news, cause when panic goes high up, then so do the views. With not many facts or a skeptical eye, they loudly opined that the end could be nigh. Hence ominous headlines and graphs that looked bleak, and people with no business speaking did speak. Keep crisis in Christmas, they shouted with glee, because frightening the public is good for TV. You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com New Klux Klan. Hi, I was wondering um, if you guys have any parades coming up? We don't. We're the New Klux Klan. Oh, 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 so you're, uh, you're the NKK. We're the NKK. Okay. I mean, you're not mistakenly spelled new K-N-E-W and keeping the KKK, are you? Exactly. No, we're the new, as in not old, Klux Klan. The old Klux Klan, gone. We're done with that. We're different. Okay. We're more inclusive. Wow. Ooh. We're new. Uh, you know, inclusivity is a real big uh, a talking point these days. That's so exciting. Well, I'm 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 happy for your organization. I, I guess what um, you know, t- tell me about your reboot. We saw our numbers dwindling, to be honest. Uh huh. And we thought, okay, what can we do to retool ourselves? And of course, uh, one of our friends went to collage and uh, came back and had some great ideas. And uh-huh. so we've we've become more uh, in inclined towards, you know, social justice. Wow. And it, we're more inclusive. You know, we, we used to just have a niche audience, you know, we were limiting ourselves, you know, we're, we're, we weren't growing. There just you know, weren't I, as many, we just, we we're so limited. Uh, gosh, I'm, this is so darn inspiring because, you know, I was, Calling because I've just started dating a a, a a woman who's real into social justice stuff or whatever. I don't, I don't really care either way. So I was going to take her to protest your parade as sort of a show her that I'm a real cool guy and maybe get some, uh, you know, get some action off of it. But it sounds like you guys are really retooling and changing yourselves. Good for you. We want to be more inclusive. We want to, to cast a, a wide net. You know, we benefit with diversity. Huh. Well, I'll be dipped. So, uh, well, well, tell me about some of your uh, diversity uh, initiatives and, and how you're looking to integrate further. Well, uh, we want to do, you know, continue to do white supremacy stuff, but we need okay. more Asians. We need more blacks and Hispanics. Uh, we need to bring uh-huh. more gays into the fold and, and uh, transes. You know, that's fine. Come use my shower. You can use my shower. I don't care what you got going on there. Come use my shower. Okay. You can shower me. You can loofah me. I don't care. You can do that. That's fine with me. Oh, that's wonderful. As long as at, at the end of the day, what happens? That you join our white supremacy club. <laughs> Man, there's a, there is still, I am definitely sensing a lot of open-mindedness, which I really like. But yes. T- I, I feel like I should probably follow up on the white supremacy part of this. So, all right. So let's say, you know, you're, you've got some new um, members uh, mm-hmm. who blacken it up a little bit. 
Uh, you got your Asians, you got your mm-hmm. homosexuals. Mm-hmm. And what's that first meeting like? You know, what what's the plan with with the, these new folks? First of all, Silas is an old timer. And Silas, mm-hmm. you know, he's old fashioned. He's been he's been in this organization for quite some time and he, he was never really mm-hmm. on board with the new Klux Klan concept. Yeah. So, you know, first thing he Silas is going to say is like, what's that black guy doing over there? What are these Asians over right. there? What, what's this Hispanic yeah. guy? Where's he from? Is he documented? <laughs> you know, Silas is like yeah. that. He's a bit of a grump. Sure. But you know what? He's the old <laughs> guard. Okay. He's old school. And we yeah. keep telling Silas, you know, things are changing, Silas. And he he don't like it. But, you know, he, he's got to grow. His organization's dying. We told him. His membership yeah. was dropping and dropping every year, fewer and fewer people joining. And we said, Silas, we got to do things. And I had a great idea. And I said, how about the new Klux Klan? And he just looked at me with his one eye, <laughs> lost his other eye. <laughs> it was optical cancer, although he blames the Jews. <laughs> well, I mean, if maybe his doctor messed something up, he, he could be right on this one. You're right, Dr. Rosenschantz. <laughs> I mean, ain't that a kick in the pants, you know, when you've lived this bigoted life your whole way, and then at the end of your days, you sort of realize, you know, I was right. Yeah. And then when he was shot in a hunting accident and he was attended to by a bunch of black nurses, he just didn't know what to think. Yeah, boy, oh boy. Well, and thus the need for the NKK. The NKK, the new Klux Klan. So, uh, you know, so what, what is it? So you got your members. What is it you guys are going to go out to do to um, promote your white supremacy agenda? Well, I mean, first of all, as part of our new inclusivity, we don't just burn crosses on lawns. We can do a Star David. We can do a Crescent. Uh, we don't know what the India people do. I mean, we can maybe burn an elephant or something. <laughs> Not sure what that they're into. That would make a huge mess. And they're just hard to get. Yeah, they're hard to cover in gasoline. They're hard to get. They're hard to bring to a location. You can't really do it at night. We tried. Uh-huh. Those things make a lot of noise, especially when you light them up. Yeah. <laughs> and they have a long memory. <laughs> Three years later, I walked so- by the zoo and that thing looked at me and it knew who I was. Yeah. Oh, so, so the zoo. So, so you've already done this and uh, the elephant escaped and it was captured by a zoo. Yeah. Well, the elephant, once we set him on fire, he just kind of stormed off. He wasn't about to sit on the lawn and burn and send a message, powerful message to the Singh family. <laughs> so he just stormed off and he ran back to the zoo. He remembered where the zoo was. Elephants have a long memory. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. Also have a long trunk. I remember that from earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> Is it and flammable? A long penis. It's a long penis too that retracts when they're on fire. <laughs> it's like a protective mechanism. It's amazing how nature works. That's amazing. Finally, something that it probably isn't on Wikipedia. I think I think you found the one thing that you could probably add to that site. Good on you. <laughs> Thank you. So, and, and what was this family you were trying to send a message to again? The Singh family. Oh, the Singh family. What, yeah, that's what, what Smith was... and Indian. <laughs> well, they should just use Smith then. You know what? They come here and they use Singh and they won't switch to Smith. That really pisses me off. Yeah, of course. Well, that's that. <laughs> therefore, you should slowly murder a two-ton animal on their lawn. Well, we tried. 
Yeah. And that sucker ran back to the zoo and started up its own organization that hated us. What? Yeah, the Zoo Klux Klan. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Hello, Jack. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How was your Thanksgiving? It was quite nice. My wife cooked a phenomenal bunch of things, and I made a turkey on the big green egg. Okay, great. A brined turkey that was smoked and hickory. Our friend brought her Australian Shepherd. So we had an Australia Australian Shepherd and then the German Shepherd. Yep. And boy, all they did was play. They just, And it snowed, so they just ran outside and they were playing and playing and playing. And then they were wiped out. It was the greatest thing. Oh, that's cool. They had no energy. And they, um, but they actually played with each other. What, like, what'd they play? What did they do with they, each other? They nip at each other. They just nip and nip and nip and jump. And at first we thought they were fighting, but then I looked it up. It's like, no, this is how dogs play. They just kind of nip at each other. And then as long as the tails are going in a certain way, you know that they're having fun. And they would chase each other uh-huh. around the lawn. And then, you know, one would roll over and the other one would kind of jump on them. It was very cute. Oh, that sounds really fun. What, yeah, what was- other, what other ways did they sort of play or show their affections for each other? Um, you know, they'll do, they'll, they'll run like into the garage and they'll come out with like a five gallon jug of gasoline and they'll just kind of, they'll drag it all around the lawn and then they will, like the two dogs will, they'll each fetch a stick and then they'll just sit there and they'll like rub the sticks together with, with each other, like hold the stick in their mouth and then kind of wrestle and rub. And eventually they get a spark and then you just see this huge trail of flame go shooting through your lawn. No and it's kidding. Really adorable. God, that is cute. Yeah, very nice. That's so amazing. And and in what other ways did they, um, you know, did they sort of like, uh, you know, nip and play with each other, uh, you know, in that way? They will do like a little thing called the, the tail gnaw. And so like one will jump on the other's tail and then just kind of bite it and bite it and bite it until it comes off. <laughs> then they'll run around, you know, screaming and yelling and um, you know, just, you know, bleeding and, and just kind of barking and barking and barking. And the other one's just barking at him and I guess laughing as dogs uh-huh. do. And, God, that's you know, cute. Yeah. That so is I'm so like, cute. I, I love playful dog stories like this. That's really great. They're very cute. Their dogs are cute. <laughs> that That's really neat. Were they, um you know, did they, did you sense any sort of romantic spark? Yeah. You could sense that there was uh there was a little, I mean, there were two ladies. So obviously they're lesbian dogs. Okay. But, uh, or trans dog, I'm not sure. Uh, but you know, they, they spent a lot of time together. They both, uh, went and got their nails done. Okay. You know, here's a question for you. You know, dog videos do so well on YouTube. They're, they're like the most popular, you know, thing of the last 20 years, probably. Did, 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 you, did they do any sort of like cute little tricks or, uh, any little crazy wacky things happen that you're going to like maybe put the video up on YouTube? Yeah. I mean, well, there's like, you know, you can make a dog stay, right? Yep. And if you've trained the dog properly, they, they will not budge. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we, we had, we had the dog sit, sit, and then we said, stay. And then I got in my car and I drove like down the lawn and then spun around and then just started heading right for it. And I was testing it. It's like playing a game of chicken with a dog. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and, so I, who won the game? I did. <laughs> oh, wow. That's cool. So the dog moved. No. No. <laughs>
Oh, uh, okay. Cool, 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 cool. You all right? I don't feel so great, Jack. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, uh, you know, for, for the humans there, there's a lot to be thankful for, I guess. I just, I feel like I did a bad thing. <laughs> I don't feel good about it. What, about being a winner? You know, I won, but at what expense? And I can tell you the expense. <laughs> to tell us the expense, please. It's a lovely dog mm-hmm. that only looked up to me, uh-huh. literally, <laughs> as I was driving over it in a Jeep. Did you know dogs could scream why? <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't think they had the vocal cords for that. But they do. No kidding. Really? Yeah. If the circumstance is grave enough, a dog will just go, why? That really interesting. That is something I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And um, I put it on the internet. Uh Uh-huh. And I got a lot of upvotes. But I'm also being pursued by the ASPCA. (laughs) How, how, How do you know you're being pursued by the by by their agents? Uh, because I, there are agents standing outside the house with ASPCA uh, flak vests. <laughs> I had an interaction with Brooke Shields once. Uh, what, what was it? I was in, I was covering it at the opening of Planet Hollywood in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, which in the nineties, that was a huge thing. It was the opening yeah. of Planet Hollywood, Atlanta. And uh, I was, I was walking around and, and interviewing people and she was there and I First thing she said to me, is there anything in my teeth? And then she showed me her teeth. <laughs> and I said, nope, nothing in your teeth. Wow, okay. Because there wasn't. Uh, do you remember when it opened? It was in 1990-something. I, I, I want to say like 95. Man. And it was like, uh, it was a big event. Like it, they had all these celebrities. Charlie Sheen was there. So I have audio tape of Charlie Sheen being on drugs. I have... I talked wow. to Martin Luther King III, who was talking about the carpeting. Um, okay. Uh, there was a, yeah, was a, you know, this was a big deal back then before the chain became silly. Wow. There was only a handful of Planet Hollywoods. Does it say, did you look it up when it opened? June 95. Oh, okay. So I was right. 95. Yep. Charlie, Charlie Sheen told me he had, uh, I said, what did you, what did you think of the food? And he goes, I had baby back ribs with bubblicious sauce. Oh my God. And then he just kind of rambled. I have some audio cassettes somewhere of him just being like, blah, 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 just being all weird. Oh, wow. I mean, but you and you and Charlie went out afterwards though. Yes. I said, I hear you might be a party monkey. And he said, yes, I am. <laughs> and I said, well, does party monkey want to play? And he uh. said, party, party <laughs> monkey do. And so I took him out. Oh my gosh. What would you guys do? Like just go to like an Applebee's and get a little dinner or something? Uh, no, we went uh, scaffolding, harvesting. <laughs> I see. I don't. I don't know what 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 that is. scaffold harvesting. What what what's that? Well, it's a funny. You know, so it's called. It's like a little challenge. Okay. And so you I and your challenges. colleague, you you get under the scaffolding, and you it's like you pick a pick a support column. Yep. And then you just keep running into it, and running into <laughs> it, and running into it until it finally gives. Oh my and God. As soon as it gives, you scream to your colleague, topple. And that's the signal to get the hell out of there because the scaffolding's wow. collapsing. Oh, that seems exceptionally dangerous. 
Very dangerous. Almost lost Charlie on a couple of occasions. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. And then you kind of, you know, you, you back away and you cross the street and then you watch the scaffolding slowly give and you, you see the terrified looks of the people on the scaffolding <laughs> looking down at you screaming, why? Did you know construction workers can scream why? Yeah, I, I guess I, I didn't know it for sure. I always assumed it to be true. Yeah, it's very true. So like when they, whenever they're faced oh. with a predicament that's your cause that you've caused. Right. They, they are, <laughs> they can look at you and just scream why. And it's just like, it's a very powerful scream. Like it's a, it, it really echoes in your mind. Like you, cause you can hear this combination of terror and fear and anger and, and falling. It's just like a really interesting sound. Yeah, I bet. Jeez. Well, again, I, you know, you learn something every day. It's one of the reasons why I like having a podcast. Yeah, I like scaffold harvesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But um, uh, you, so you guys went scaffold harvesting. Anything yep. else to sort of like uh, light up the town? Well, you know, he likes to do drugs. Yeah. And so he said, you that. know, where can we score some drugs? But he didn't okay. call it drugs. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I love the little slang and lingo. So what, uh, what did he call it? D. Oh, D. I, so I, okay. like, uh, he wants to score some D. Yeah. He's like, do you know where we can score some D? And I said, boy, do I? So I took him <laughs> to Backstreets. What's Backstreets? It's a gay bar. Uh, uh, <laughs> I had a feel that might be true. That's a, a, a perfect name for a gay bar what uh and and did he find the d uh that you promised well no because once we got in there and he's like what is this and i told him he's like no i meant d for drugs and i'm like oh <laughs> i said well you're in the right place <laughs> it, it, you know it's fortunate you went to the place where you could get the two number the the two main d's <laughs> that's right so that's that's just, smart just <laughs> We just walked around saying, not gay, want drugs, not gay, want drugs. And then finally, uh, somebody came up to us and we got what we wanted. What was the price of getting those drugs? D. <laughs> hey, Brian. Hi. Hi. So, uh, you know, I know Christmas time is now upon us. Yes. I'm very, very excited about that. It's, it yeah. really is my favorite, you know, now month of the year. My yep. tree is already up, um, you know, especially with two young kids. It's, it's just a super, super special time of year. It's you might fun. say it's, it's Christmas awareness month. You know what? That's, that's really good. You know, we could probably raise money off of that. We got it. Let's get this cause going. Christmas awareness month. Well, great. See, I, I love it. Well, that awesome. So good, good luck. Everyone uh, tweet us at that hashtag. And um, you know what? I, I know being in the Christmas uh, frame of mind, you know, always makes me think of Rudolph. And I know you're a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer um, sort of a, a savant. Uh, you know, you're, you've studied Rudolph and Rudolph lore for yeah. basically your entire life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. So I was wondering, you know, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, we're hearing the song on the radio now, you know, two, three times a day. And, mm. you know, the cartoon I'm sure is coming out. CBS is going to, I'm sure, have it again. Um, you know, I'm going to watch it. I have the DVD. And I was just wondering if maybe you could, you know, talk us through some Rudolph lore. Tell us how the story was um, conceived. Tell us about, you know, some uh, maybe some characters who, uh, you know, appeared in in the past and who maybe have been taken out. That, that sort of thing. Would you mind? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Oh, thanks so much. And uh, so again, how, how did you become such a Rudolph, um, sort of like the foremost expert on Rudolph? Uh, you know, as, as a child, that story really inspired me. Oh, that's nice. Uh, cause I, you know, I was not popular in school. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. I had, I had a very bright red nose. Oh. Um, it, it was more related to consumption of vodka, <laughs> uh, but it was bright red and I was shunned by my colleagues in school as a result. Uh, and so, you know, middle school was very difficult for me. <laughs> I felt very lonely. And you, I mean, yeah. And then one night, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and you know, my nose was bright red. For, I just, you know, and I was slurring. And, um, and this old man uh, with a long beard uh-huh. <laughs> pulled up in what I guess you'd call a sleigh. It's more like a white Dodge Caravan. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, um, you want to drive in my sleigh tonight? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, this is so beautiful. Yeah. And so I hopped in. We went sure. for a ride. Yep. Uh, he, you know, he offered gifts. He had uh, lots of extra little sippy bottles of alcohol. You know, it was a medley. Yeah, that's I cool. wasn't limited to vodka. Usually I was strictly in middle school, mostly just a vodka drinker. Yeah, I remember that. But he had the little scotch bottles and uh, gin and rum. And, you know, maybe it's not the best thing to mix all these things. But, you know, you're young. You don't know any better. Uh-huh. You're in the dark. And, you and know. It's a and, gift. Yeah. And so, you know, I drank that stuff. And, um, and I guess we spent the night tooling around doing whatever I guess the Santa-esque figure does. I don't remember much about it. Uh-huh. I woke up the next day and I had been dumped in front of my middle school. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, all my colleagues, I wouldn't say they loved me, but they uh-huh. saw me as they got off the school bus and they shouted out with glee that I'd, I'll go down in history and anywhere and it was, um, yeah, it was a you know somewhat memorable experience. Although at a lot of points, I I didn't have the ability to form memories as a result of <laughs> a traumatic consumption of alcohol. Right. But so I had a red nose, and I this you know, oh, when yeah. I when I saw the story of Rudolph, and I, I felt connected to it somehow. Uh-huh. So you know, even though he's a filthy reindeer. <laughs> Jesus. Um, you know, I saw this story and I was like, you know what? I, I still, I can understand being the outcast and having a, a bright red nose and, and people yep. you know, making fun of you for, for you know, waking mm-hmm. up on the sidewalk outside your school. And, um, and so that really connected with me. And so I decided, I just got more and more, I'd watch that movie over and over again, uh-huh. read the stories, uh, took control of the Wikipedia page. <laughs> and and really just became I wanted to be someone you know, I, I became just by default an expert you know I really related right. to Rudolph except for the I, filthy I, reindeer part yeah no I I know you you hate the the creatures so uh, well that's awesome that you have this connection I, it certainly makes sense to me now it's it's a little tragic I sort of just want mm-hmm. to give you a hug oh so you're the, like the, Santa <laughs> yeah yeah I know he likes to <laughs> he likes to give long hugs. Um, jolly old hugs. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll move on from that. Now, Rudolph first appeared uh, in a 1939 booklet 
written by Robert L. May and mm-hmm. published by the Mon- Mon- by Montgomery Ward, the uh, mm-hmm. the old department store, which mm-hmm. I mean, you know all this. Yes. So you know when 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 Rudolph was being written, what what were some other um, versions sort of like that were left on the cutting room floor that, that we don't know about either for Rudolph the character, maybe some of the other reindeer characters, or or the origin story itself. Uh, there was Clive the caribou. Okay. <laughs> and a caribou is a reindeer and they're both filthy. Man, you hate those things. They're terrible. It was Clive the club-footed caribou. <laughs> and, you know, uh-huh. all the other all the other caribou mocked him cuz yep. he had, you know, he had one bum leg, his right. front left. <laughs> and he he just couldn't walk like a normal caribou. Right. And they would laugh at him and you know, they, Santa tried to put him on the sleigh and he wasn't able to. I mean, he tried pulling the sleigh and with the club foot, they just couldn't build up enough speed to take off. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how, how did that story end? What they, what they used Clyde for was for landing. Okay. <laughs> so they attached Clyde to the back of the sleigh. Okay. Facing the opposite direction. And his club foot acted kind of like a hook on an aircraft carrier. And so as they came in on a roof, his, his club foot would kind of catch onto the edge of the roof and slow down the sleigh. Uh-huh. Because it had been an issue before where Santa would land on these houses and just go sliding off. He had too much momentum. Right. And it resulted in a whole bunch of accidents and screw ups and broken <laughs> chimneys and things and, and sure. Clyde the club footed caribou, uh, you know, put an end to that. I mean, it, it yeah. did a lot of damage to gutters. Yeah. And ironically <laughs> tore down a lot of Christmas lights, but it did slow down the sleigh and it allowed Santa to go, go about his business. I also would imagine that it would be uh, hell on his meniscus. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, there's a reason we don't sing about Clyde the club footed <laughs> caribou is because Eventually, the, I mean, the, the thing just separated. The the uh, the ligament. Yeah, well, the whole club foot, and then he was just <laughs> Clyde the amputee, and it just didn't have the same ring to it. And they put him uh-huh. out to pasture. Oh, that's nice. So he still is out somewhere uh, eating grass. That's a euphemism for elves shooting in the back of the head. <laughs> All right, let me. I got to write that down because I. Don't want to ask for that for Christmas. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, that's okay. Good to know. So that's, that's what I'm to, to Clive. A- a- any other um, characters who, who, you know, either became Rudolph or, or were part of the Rudolph lore who um, changed? Yes. Uh, well, there was an elf. Oh, good. Of course. There was, cause everybody always wondered like, how do these, how do these reindeer fly? Yes. Yes. I've yeah. always wondered that. Yes. Well, they were always, you know, it's like the magic thing seems kind of lame, right? Oh, they're just magic. They can fly. Uh, yep. So they came up with the concept of Benny the rump stabber. <laughs> and so Benny was an elf. He was very short, but he had uh-huh. a glove with spikes on it. <laughs> and he would just flit about from car- from reindeer to reindeer, uh, spiking okay, so- them in the rump, getting them to kick, uh, get, you know, and just, and, the, and that built the momentum that got that sleigh up in the air. I see. Of course, by the end of the evening, the end of, Christmas Eve. I mean, these poor things are, it's a bloody mess. Their rumps are bloody pulps. And Benny the rump stabber is, you know, of course he's, his arm hurts covered in blood. 
<laughs> oh, poor Benny. So they phased that out and they just went to the magic. Yeah. I guess I understand that. It's a little, it's a little lazy, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now there are different, um, Santa's reindeer, you had told me once, uh, were comprised differently than they are now with, with completely different reindeer or uh, a different, you know, makeup altogether. Can you tell us sort of about the group that Rudolph joined? Uh, there was some controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed there was a schnitzen. <laughs> um, okay. And, it, you know, schnitzen was, uh, he basically was the, the head reindeer. Okay. Uh, but then it turned out that he had in some capacity and it's never really been explored, but he, he did, uh, he was a commandant assistant at, uh, Dachau. <laughs> God. He was the assistant reindeer commandant uh-huh. at Dachau and uh, concentration camp. And so, I mean, it was a little too controversial. And so he was dismissed. Oh, he was. Oh, okay. So he, he just went off and worked somewhere else? We well, went out to pasture. Oh, got it. Okay, got it. So, okay, dismissed also means going out to pasture. Yeah, well, that's when a German comes and shoots you in the back of the head. <laughs> Oh, there have been a lot of dismissals in history. Yeah, there's a ton of dismissing. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, all right. So, okay. So that was schnitzel. I understand yep. why he didn't work. <laughs> um, moose. M- moose? There was a reindeer named Moose, and it was really confusing to everyone. Oh, yeah. That, that would be confusing. Uh, what happened to Moose? I think you know. <laughs> Well, Brian, you know, there, we'd be crazy to talk about Rudolph and not talk about the song. It's, it's right. you know, perhaps the most famous Christmas song out there. Certainly would be among the top two or three. Yeah. What? Um, but the song was uh, was very different back in the day. Uh, very different message as well. Can you sort of talk us uh, talk us through what happened with the song? Yeah. Uh, I mean, initially, um, you know, the song as we know it is about, you know, this outcast who's mm-hmm. uh, suddenly useful. Mm-hmm. And, and then everybody else is kind of jealous of his success. Yeah. The, all the all the reindeer are male. I don't know if you know that. I guess, yeah, I guess I did. Maybe, yeah. They're all male. That's why they all have uh, horns. Yeah, <laughs> antlers. Course, yeah. Yep, so they're yep. all men. So, uh, and they're, horns. you know, they're up there, antlers. And they're up there, uh, you know, in the North Pole, and there's not not a lot going on. Uh-huh. And initially, uh, the red nose was not used for illumination. Oh, uh, he had a nose for ladies, and his no- he could smell a woman, or reindeer, from many miles away. Wow! And so, like, you know, they'd just be sitting there bored off their little <laughs> reindeer butts. Yeah. And then his nose would light up and he would wander off and he'd be gone for hours. And then he'd come back with his grin on his face. <laughs> and they're like, what, what's going on? And he's like, ah, oh, I can uh, sniff the ladies if you know what I mean. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, and he points to his nose and he said, this thing detects lady reindeer. And they're like, yeah. oh my God. And these guys. And so what he did, he charged them $10 a pop. <laughs> so when his nose would light up, he'd look over at Blitzen or Donder and be like, which one of you's up? You up for this? 
And then, you know, he would walk <laughs> them into the snowstorm, mm-hmm. uh, bring them out, and, and then they'd come back. You know, Rudolph is $10 richer. And yep. Donder, Blitzen, whatever, Dasher, Dancer, they, they've got a grin on their face. Oh, man. So in a sense, he was kind of a, a glorified reindeer pimp. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's well, that's a fascinating story. Uh, I'm kind of glad they changed it. And how did the, how did the song go? Because I know they got really far with this. I know they even recorded a special. You know how did the um how did the song go for that version of Rudolph again? Because I'm oh, yeah. I know I heard it once. Sure. Um, Rudolph can smell the ladies. Even if they're far away. And if you ever saw that, you would know that he's not gay. All of the other reindeer wish that they could smell those girls. That's why they love Rudolph now, because they get off. Very vulgar song for the time. Nowadays, like we've heard some of the some of that yeah. stuff, but for 1939, yeah, it was like shocking. That shocking, shocking. Like I mean, Wizard of Oz is in theaters, folks, and that's yeah. like controversial. So I mean, that's that's like pornography. Yeah, it was like then one horny Wednesday <laughs> Eve, Rudolph's nose lit up. Then he looked around the room and said, "Guess who is gonna get off?" And then, and then he left. Uh huh. That's the song. Yeah, that's the song. It's funny how they they kept the tune. They really seemed seemed to be locked into that tune. Yeah, they paid a lot for it. <laughs> that was actually the the original song was put together by Cornelius Mozart. Oh, I didn't know that. Who was the great 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 uh, grandson? Of Stephen Mozart, who's not related to Wolfgang, <laughs> but it's a it's a popular name. I, yeah, I guess so. I I guess in probably that part of the world, Yonkers. <laughs> well, Brian, thanks so much for sharing your Rudolph lore. That was really illuminating. Pun intended, right there, huh? <laughs> it is. It is. Way to way to end it on that note, Jack, Brian. You know what? There is money in audiobooks. I think I've told you this before. Yeah, you've mentioned that before. So, uh, you know, they're looking for people to read audiobooks. A lot of books get made every year and, and publishers need people to read them. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're looking for voices like the everyman kind of voice. And uh, you've had this opportunity in the past to, to read for audiobooks. I got you some audiobook auditions. Ah, you know, that's great. A lot of Christmas shopping was just done uh, this past weekend, and I definitely mm-hmm. racked up with two kids and a wife. I definitely racked up some big bills. So this mm-hmm. is coming at the perfect time, and I thank you for this, buddy. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Uh, they just need you to, they want you to read a sample of the chapter, and then if yep. they like what they hear, and if it's professional sounding and uh, quality, and uh, then you, you'll g- get the book. You'll get paid. <laughs> Woo! Awesome. That's, that's no problem for me. Well, I just sent it to you. Okay. Gosh, I wish I could have seen this ahead of time. Um, yeah, no, you shouldn't. And that's one of the things they, they like the natural sound of a, of somebody. Re- you know, cause if you think about it, you don't read any book ahead of time. You're reading it as you read it, right? Any book you pick up yeah. and start reading, you're just reading. Okay. Yeah. You're not, you're not reading it ahead of, you don't read it and then go back and read it. You read it. So just get it out there, please. 
Okay. I mean, I reread things all the time, but okay. Uh, all right. I've uh, just gotten the script. I, uh, the script for this, uh, uh book and, um, yeah. I I've opened it and I'm ready yeah. to read it having never read it before. I'm going to tell you about it. It's called getting to Mars. And, it, and it's a story of, okay. of us, of our efforts to get to Mars. It's a, it's a book written by a former NASA scientist. <clears throat> oh, fun. Getting yeah, to it Mars. Sounds it sounds it. Yeah. It's a nonfiction. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's nonfiction. Okay. Very good. Nonfiction. Uh, so just tell me when to start. Give it a shot. Okay. Getting good luck to, Mars. to you. Good luck to you. Thank Getting you. to Mars. Yes. Thank you. With its red glow in the nighttime sky, Mars has beckoned sky watchers for centuries. As the closest planet to earth that offers potential for future human missions or colonization, it has been of great interest. One can imagine Galileo looking up at Mars while sitting on the potty and thinking that maybe one day a human like himself would go potty on the moon. Maybe there were even people on the moon already going potty. <laughs> it was a lot to think about, but potty time was that time that Galileo did most of his thinking. He said as much in a discourse he wrote in 1618 t- titled... <laughs> Potty thoughts. Some thoughts I had while on the potty doing my business. I'm sorry, doing my bidness. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Tears in my eyes. To date, over 40 robotic missions have been launched to the Red Planet. Or more precisely, 40 plus missions have been attempted. Not all are successful. In fact, including all U.S., European, Russian, and Japanese efforts, more than half of Mars missions have failed, either because of a launch disaster, a malfunction en route to Mars, a botched attempt to slip into orbit, catastrophic landing, or or because of gypsies. While recent missions have had greater success than our first attempts to explore Mars, scientists and engineers have struggled to keep gypsies from stealing important pieces of the rockets, like the go-up parts or the space-flying parts. And when a rover lands on Mars with only three wheels, you know that a gypsy stole it. Not all gypsies are bad, of course, but the ones who pick your pocket at the train station in Rome or screw up mathematical calculations so your rocket blows up on the pad are wieners. (laughs) Oh, well, uh, definitely not getting that out of your book, Jack. Okay. I, you sound mad at me. I don't, I don't need not that. Mad. Not mad. I was just hopeful. I wanted you to get some money, some scratch, some cash, yeah. some moolah. Uh, with this, another chance I'm okay. sending it to you. That, that one really surprised me a number of times. That one, I, I really tried to get that as, as I hope you heard. Galileo on the, on the look, looking up at Mars, thinking things. Yeah. A lot, a lot of potty stuff there. <laughs> Guess I got you. Too bad. Okay. I'm ready. I got the script number two. I've opened it. I've not read it. Number what two. Now, let me, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this one. This one is called a history of Microsoft. It's a, it's another oh. nonfiction book. It's a sto- It's basically the whole history of the foundation of Microsoft and the huge okay. company that it's become. Oh, it's exciting. Awesome. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Cause I'm a big Microsoft lover. So again, so this is nonfiction, a little biographical type, maybe yes, sort of it read is. it that yep. same sort of serious it's, way. Yeah. It's the story of Microsoft. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. <clears throat> Take it away. Okay. A history of Microsoft. 
Before we begin this detailed history of Microsoft's founding, its incredible growth, and its continuing contribution to the modern world, we want to acknowledge that the land where the Microsoft campus is situated was traditionally occupied by the Samish, Samamish, Duwamish, Skudanamalami, Sukwamish, Muckleshoot, Snohomish, Tulailip, Flickyboo, Waka Waka, Dilhihee, and Snackapoo people since time immemorial. <laughs> All of these tribes we pulled up on Wikipedia were super great and no doubt all got along just fine and never did anything wrong. So it's up to us as the conquering jackholes we are to continue to honor and bring to light their ancient heritage. Although we would seriously love to give the Samamamish their land back, as it turns out, we built a really big and expensive building on it. So we hope they understand that just handing it over would not be feasible. Instead, we honor the Samamash in the Microsoft cafeteria, where Microsoft employees can get the delicious Samamamish sandwich, a sandwich con consisting of boiled ham, sharp cheddar, a dash of mayonnaise, lettuce, and tomato. Some people might be incl in inclined to call it a ham sandwich, but in the Samamamish tongue, we would call those people Samamamish-phobic. <laughs> We believe the Samamamish sandwich perfectly represents what we understand Samamamish culture to be. It is prepared in the Samamamish way and served in hollowed out tree trunk by a man in a skunk hat. <laughs> ah, the Samamamish. Samamamish, damn. Yeah, I know Microsoft really likes to sort of cover those uh, Native American bases and you know, it's it's a nice gesture to say, you know, hey, we we got this. Uh, you can't have it, but we got it. We know we got it. Yeah, it's nice. It's like a friendly. I, I wish. Yeah, I should have identified myself as a white male with graying hair, glasses, a wonky eye, and a podcast. Yeah, but I guess I, I wish you know, I had that opportunity. Yeah, well, next time. Yeah. Damn. Uh, there's a third chance. I know we're not getting the Microsoft one. I just sent you one. This is a story about Truman, Harry Truman. Love the, Harry Truman. The, yeah, yeah. Really. The uh, Truman. It's called Truman: A History. It's another nonfiction book. It's about Harry Truman. It's a biography. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Uh, Truman: A History. I'm I'm ready to go. Take her away. And, and again, not, this is nonfiction. Nonfiction about so Harry all this Truman. stuff happened. What I'm about to yep. read. This all what happened. I mean? I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn something Maya. here too. Take her okay. away. Truman: A History. As the meeting broke up and the other officials went home for the night, one man stayed behind, Henry Stimson, the Secretary of War. He asked to speak to Truman alone about what he said was a most urgent matter. Stimson was a legendary figure who had served five presidents. Truman would be his sixth. Sitting with the new president, Stimson said he'd keep it short. The subject was complicated and he'd provide more detail later. But he wanted Truman to know about an immense project underway to develop... <laughs> a device of almost unbelievable destructive power. The project was so secret and so potentially dangerous, only a handful of people knew about it. Talk to me, love chunks, <laughs> Truman told Stimson. Stimson reached into a small leather bag and, remo <laughs> and removed a device. Truman looked at it with trepidation. What is it, he asked. This, said Stimson, is the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0, <laughs> a device of incredible power. He proceeded to drop his trousers and tidy whities tidy whities exposing the president to his naughty bits. Truman gasped. Look at this mess, said Stinson. But in mere minutes, it will be clean and pristine, like an Alaskan mountain river or some shit like that. 
Stinson began to trim his nethers, secure in knowing that the patented skin-safe technology wouldn't nick his willy to bits. Truman looked on, mesmerized. And if you go to manscaped.com and use checkout code QM, you get 20% off everything in the store and free shipping anywhere in the world except for the Democratic Republic of Congo. (laughs) Truman nodded. There are tons of grooming supplies for men to be found there, making manscaped.com a great place for gift shopping. Truman nodded. The Secretary of War now had a a gorgeously kempt crotch that any government official would be proud of. He handed the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 to President Truman. Check out code QM, he said. Truman nodded. Oh, also, Stimson added, we have a super big bomb to blow up the Japanese people. (laughs) Huh. Wow, I didn't know that part of the history of Harry Truman. Yeah, and I would call you a bit of a history buff. Uh, you know, I am a, I am a history buff. My dad has a has he has a legit a Harry Truman story. I should have him uh, tell someday. Well, it seems like if not now, can you do it quick and funny? He was a, I mean, it's a true story. He was assigned to a security detail uh, at the Cornell campus back in the fifties. I, 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 I do remember that. Yes, yeah. I remember this. Saw him in his underwear. Yeah, I remember that as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, t- so tell real quick what happened. Uh, he was, a, my father was a police officer up in Ithaca, New York. Well, he was a college student up in Ithaca, New York. And uh, that's amazing. Uh, was assigned to security. Det- Harry Truman did not use secret service. And that's crazy. He, he issued the secret service. So, and so he was, he and another uh, colleague were assigned to Harry Truman's security detail when Truman was up at the Cornell campus for a few days. And so they spent three days driving him around campus. And in the last night, Truman invited him up uh, to the hotel room uh, for a drink and a chat. And uh, with his, I mean, his wife, you know, Truman's wife was there. Oh my God. And uh, so he, my father and his colleague, they were probably in their twenties. They were in their twenties. Uh, went up to Truman's hotel room and sat there and he were talking to the former president of the United States. And, and at some point my father said, Truman started to get ready for bed. Like he like literally took his pants off, folded them, put him over a chair. And my father uh, noticed that he had sock garters. Yep. So he wore garters to keep his socks. And then that, that's when my father turned to his colleague and was like, I think we've overstayed our welcome. And so they said, <laughs> wow, they said, uh, you know, thank you very much. Nice to meet you. And they, so they, you know, they, they spent time chatting with Harry Truman. And then years later, my father was pro- helping produce the Boy Scout Jamboree, okay. which was an annual event. And the Gemini astronauts are going to be there. And people, so, I mean, sold out. These these were like the Beatles at the time. I mean, these sure. the Gemini astronauts were rock stars. Uh, and the morning of the Boy Scout Jamboree, uh, my father gets a call that the, the president has summoned the Gemini astronauts to the White House because some visiting dignitary wanted to meet them. Wow. So the day of this event, he's told that basically his, the main act is not coming. So he scrambled. Uh, to find a replacement. And he knew Harry Truman from, he knew from being a security guard, he knew Harry Truman stayed uh, under his own name at the hotel. And he also knew that Truman was in New York at the time. And so he called the hotel where Truman was staying, asked for Harry Truman's room. Uh, His wife answered the phone and my father uh, was trying to explain to the wife what was going on. And she goes, yeah, I can't, uh, let me just hand you over to my husband. Hands over to Harry Truman. And my father explains what happened. The Gemini astronauts were supposed to be speaking at this luncheon. They can't make it. Uh, you know, is there any chance you'd be able to give a speech? And Truman, to his credit, uh, said he was willing to, he had to catch, a plane to catch, but he was willing to do it at a certain time. Uh, but my father figured out that he, he would be speaking as people were coming in to sit down. 
And he did not think that was respectful to have our former president talking to an empty room that was starting to fill up. Yeah. And Truman said multiple times, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. And my father thought about it, called back and said, listen, we can't, we've decided we cannot, um, make us, we cannot ask a former president to, to stand in front of an empty room as it fills up and give a speech. Wow. Isn't that a cool story? It's a great story. Yeah. So, Man, alive. Yeah. That's really crazy. Now, I, I had heard the, I, I've heard a few times you tell the, the the first part of that story. I had never heard the Boy Scout Jamboree yeah. part. That's remarkable. Yeah. And so they, they couldn't get Truman. The, the last minute they got some kind, I think it was a Broadway act. It was, they were, had been doing some play, but of course, as the people came in, they thought they were coming to see the Gemini Seriously. astronauts. And it was just some Broadway singing duo. And the, you know, they were, you know, people were pissed. Yeah. You know, cause this, this is like, you know, here's you pay to see the Beatles. Here's the chorus line. Right, yeah. You pay to see the Beatles and it's like, here's Carrot Top. You know, it's like, no. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. But I think it's very, I mean, how cool is this guy? And it's kind of fascinating to think like, you know, that my father interacted with a guy who's responsible for authorizing the, the dropping of, you know, little boy and fat man. Yeah. Um, but also this guy was so chill that he didn't have security detail that he stayed in a hotel under his own name that, Damn. you know, he's just seems like a nice guy. And by all accounts he was. Yeah. I mean, probably not if you're having dinner at a Japanese home. That's yeah. Yeah. Depending on the time and place. <laughs> You know who's a nice guy? <laughs> <laughs> the guy who dropped that. <laughs> yeah, the guy who killed six million people, uh, you know, on a snap yeah. of a finger. Wasn't, wasn't that, that many. many. And they, you know, many. they kind of were asking for it. And they were, you know, they, they had gamed all these scenarios. I love how people are revisioning. You're not wrong. They are. I know people are going, but yeah. you know, now they're like, we shouldn't have done that. It's like, no, at the time, this, you know, they, they were estimating millions of casualties if they invaded the mainland. Yep. Uh, the island. Um, yeah. So whatever. Anyway, cool guy. Da, 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 da. Comedy podcast. <laughs> Comedy <Soccer>. podcast. <laughs> so now uh, remind me, did I get the the book deal for that third you, one? You didn't. Damn. You didn't. No, you messed it up. It's too bad. You know, it, but you know, it's it, a good ad for Manscaped. It is. I, I, I really do love that product. It's so and, odd that, um, you know, a, a book on that subject matter would slip into a Manscaped promo it's just weird. No, that's kind of weird it is fascinating but uh it's amazing how stuff like that's just you it, you know what you notice it more it's manscaped I guess so. is in a ton of books you just it's kind of like when you buy a car or you buy a volkswagen you know, mm -hmm. tiguan and then suddenly you just notice volkswagen tiguans everywhere Whereas, right you know they never you never noticed them before like you name your kid you know barry and then suddenly every you know, like you're spotting barry's everywhere or you know you, you pick up a street walker and she's mm -hmm. got like a red mini skirt made out of kind of like a fake leather, like a pleather. And then uh -huh. you're seeing that everywhere. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. I guess. Well, to me, it's more one of those things where it's like you take money from a company, like a hundred or so dollars, uh, and you're, you know, going to promote them, you know, contractually every week. And then it sort of is like, oh, here, all of a sudden they are in a script I'm reading. It's like more like one it's of those weird. coincidences. Yeah, no, it's a total coincidence. It's weird like that. But, you know, yeah. you'd be surprised. And with checkout yeah. code QM, you get 20% off and uh, of the whole store, Jack, they have deodorant for your testicles. What? Yeah. There's a cream. Look in the, look, look in the bag they sent you. There's a cream oh in my there, Jack. Gosh. I mean, I've got the stinkiest testicles this side of uh, the Hudson. Yeah. I know. I saw that. I saw the documentary. <laughs> 
that was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our clips on YouTube. Visit us at qmpodcast.com. 